Chapter Eight of A Soldier of the Legion by George Mannington. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Eight, Part One. General Voyon, organization of the brigade, piracy on the Long Son Railway, politics and pacification, topography and a tiger hunt, among the staff records, Colonel Gallieni, General Penot, Hanoi, General Coronat death of a friend adieu to the army time dealt gently with the able officer who was in command of the second brigade at bach Mien in eighteen ninety two for this general when at the head of the french corps serving ten years later with the allied army under marshal valdesay in china was still the same thick-set active soldier whose rugged features bespoke the energy and determination of the man and whose eyes held the genial light which did not belie the kindly nature of the soul within throughout the whole of his long career this officer was associated with france's colonial army as a young officer he was severely wounded at the defence of bazier in eighteen seventy he served afterwards under fideurbe in the soudan and senegal and with brière de lille in tonkin the man in the ranks of all armies is never at a loss to find an appropriate nickname for a superior who appeals to his regard or dislike and this general had not been long in command before he became known to the men in the french and foreign battalions alike as papa voyron it would indeed have been difficult to find another cognomen conveying with equal truthfulness the just firm and fatherly manner in which he treated the troops under his orders it is a pleasure to do justice to the high military capabilities and admirable characteristics of this popular french officer but it must nevertheless be stated that the speech made by general voyon at marseilles on his return from peking in nineteen o two containing as it did several adverse and unmerited criticisms on the discipline and courage of our indian troops was a source of some surprise to me however when one takes into consideration that of late years politics have unfortunately occupied a predominant place in the minds of france's most capable military men and also that public feeling was unfavourable to england at the time this speech was made it may be assumed that these aspersions which tally badly with the character of the gallant officer were but the result of a passing wave of popular sentiment to the effects of which the gallic temperament is always so susceptible Acceptable. the commandant of the brigade like many others of his profession possessed a hobby as far removed from le métier des hommes as the not infrequent desire fostered by many old merchant skippers for keeping a poultry farm is from the art of navigation this hobby was horticulture it should be mentioned that during the cooler months of each year in tonkin october to april all the edible green stuffs of the temperate zones can be grown with success though to obtain really good results fresh seed must be procured annually from europe general voyon made it his special care that all the stations in the interior where white troops were garrisoned should possess a kitchen garden thanks to this wise measure the men to the benefit alike of their health and palate 
were and are still supplied during six months out of twelve with abundant quantities of fresh vegetables and the quality of the crops obtained from the trim well-kept gardens is a cause of emulation in each of these small garrisons whenever the general inspected the different forts situated in the regions under his care he never failed to look round these gardens and when they showed proof that care had been bestowed upon them he was lavish in his expressions of satisfaction but there would be a mauvais moment à passer for the unfortunate officer who had neglected or ignored the brigadier's circulars containing recommendations concerning the necessity of ensuring a liberal supply of vegetables for the men the internal organization of the brigade staff was very simple there were three departments the first being the general office the staff of which was charged with the elucidation of all questions relating to administration promotion and discipline in the corps belonging to the brigade the printing and dispatching of general orders and circulars and the drawing up of the monthly reports concerning the available effectives the existing stocks of arms and ammunition and the general health of the troops the intelligence department was the second section and the duties of its chief were both numerous and delicate some of the most important being the control of the surveying and topographical bureau the interrogation of spies or prisoners and administration of the secret service funds the translation of code telegrams the classification of the documents relative to the active operations of the brigade and the editing of the monthly confidential reports concerning the existing bands of rebels and brigands which gave detailed information as to their organization approximate strength armament and zones of action the third department was the office of the brigade major through which all completed work passed for inspection and annotation before being transmitted to the general for signature and from which the first two sections received instructions the chief of the staff who was at the head of this office was also charged with the transmission of the general's decisions relative to punishments or censure inflicted on officers under his orders and to his care were entrusted the confidential notes concerning each of these subordinates these notes consisted of information concerning the past services punishments special aptitudes or failings as the case might be of each officer in the brigade and were contained in a little parchment-covered book known as the livret individual on the outside of which was written the name of the person it concerned one such book is made out for every sub-lieutenant as soon as he passes out of sincere and obtains his commission and this little tell-tale record follows him from corps to corps during the whole of his career it will be easily understood that it is considered a matter of extreme importance that no officer should ever become acquainted with the contents of his livret individual and to this effect the only persons who are allowed to handle them are the commandant of his regiment who notes therein every six months his appreciations of his subordinates military capabilities and moral conduct the chief of the brigade staff and the general 
the secretaries on the brigade took turns on night duty for it was necessary that a man should be at the office from six p m to six a m to receive the telegrams when they arrived and in event of their being of urgent importance to send them on to the chief of staff we were so busy in the intelligence department that in the first week in september the major decided to get another man so as to relieve me and aid in the topographical work to my delight liptay was chosen for the post so that a few days later i was able to welcome my old chum into his new quarters this increase in work was due to the state of affairs on the railway then in construction from fulang tuang to lang son for the region was overrun by bands of chinese brigands under the orders of the famous lui qi who attacked the working parties and carried away into captivity several of the french engineers and contractors encouraged by their success the robbers ambuscaded several of the convoys going by road to langson and after slaying the majority of the escort carried off important quantities of treasure several cases of labelle rifles and a good deal of ammunition in one of these engagements a major of the infanterie de marine commandant bonneau was shot dead so great was the mobility of these bands and such excellent cover was offered by the mountainous country on either side of the road that all attempts to engage and scatter them made by the little parties of troops garrisoned in the different forts proved of no avail and it soon became evident that it would require a strong and well-organized column to secure any favorable results to ensure the security of the route and to allow of the work upon the railway being continued in august general rest the commander-in-chief at hanoi made an urgent appeal to the governor-general for permission to undertake operations against luiqui on a scale to ensure success but m de lanessan refused to countenance any such movement and declared that the military authorities ought to be able to crush the bands with the forces already at their disposal in garrison along the lanson route there is little doubt that the governor in making this reply was influenced by political motives the recent successful operations in the yente had been utilized to further his political aspirations in france and the metropolitan press had repeatedly announced with a great flourish of trumpets that rebellion and brigandage were now dead in tonkin indeed in one of his reports to the colonial minister m de lanessan had declared that owing to the success of his administration the pacification of the colony was now an assured fact and it was possible to wander over the country with no other protection than a stout walking-stick the absurdity of such statements was clear in tonkin but they found favor with the public in france where people were only too willing to believe that an era of peace and plenty was at last to open in their far eastern possessions with a consequent cessation of the enormous sacrifice of men and money that had accompanied the past ten years the governor because of this advertisement was declared to be the first of france's viceroys capable of grappling with the situation and as it was his firm intention to again contest in the near future the seat in the chamber which he had resigned on accepting the high position he was now filling 
he can hardly be blamed in a country where men take up politics as a business for fostering interests which would assure him a considerable number of votes when the time came that this state of affairs was detrimental to the progress of the colony is certain but political influence party hatred and electioneering jobbery have had much to do with retarding the development of indo-china since its administration was placed in the hands of a civilian governor and staff in eighteen eighty six it is however possible that the governor made these declarations in good faith for he had hardly been a year in the country and was obliged to rely for advice on the residents and vice-residents and these civilians hating the military element were only too eager to throw doubts on the exactitude of the information contained in the reports coming in from the military territories and they openly declared that the officers of the colonial army were intentionally exaggerating the gravity of the situation in the hope of provoking operations likely to bring them promotion and decorations the contradictory advice of this civilian staff was possibly one of the causes which led the governor to pooh-pooh the importance of this new upheaval declaring that the generals were alarmist and that the well-armed and organized bands of Ruiqui were que de valeur de vache pour venir au bout desquels il souffrait de quelques gendarmes only cattle-stealers with whom a few policemen could deal these declarations provoked the anger and disgust of every officer and man in the colony and very soon a veritable hatred reigned between the civil and military elements the different newspapers sided with the parties appealing most to their sentiments or their pockets for it was an open secret that some of these journals were subventioned by the government and a wordy warfare wherein neither insults nor invective were spared was the order of the day doubtless there were faults on both sides and it is certain that the commander-in-chief committed an unpardonable error by issuing general orders to the troops to be read at parades and posted up in the barracks in which the civilian authorities were belittled and reproached with having insulted the army this necessarily added fuel to the fire and the situation became so strained that officers and civilians came to fisticuffs in the streets of the capital and several serious duels took place things were however brought to a climax towards the ends of august by the abduction of three frenchmen on the railway line one of whom m vezin was the principal engineer representing the big contracting firm Lille and company the consternation in high quarters when this news was received was considerable for there existed no possible chance of keeping such thrilling information out of the newspapers in paris as soon as the coup had been successfully carried through Luqui retired into the security of his lair in the mountains of the Baudet range, and from here he sent out messengers to the nearest military station, announcing that he would release the prisoners on the receipt of a sum of a hundred thousand dollars in silver, but he also declared that, in event of the troops approaching his encampment, he would have the captives executed immediately 
the excitement throughout the colony was intense and party rancor was forgotten in the general anxiety felt for the three unfortunate prisoners as the cruelty of the chinese bandits was well known to all after three weeks of negotiation a slight reduction in the ransom was obtained and the three gentlemen were released after having suffered indignity and torture at the hands of their captors with the result that their constitutions were wrecked by privation and exposure the governor still refused however to authorize effective operations against the robbers and it was not until several military convoys had been captured and a good many officers and men slain that monsieur de lanesson finally agreed that the bandits were worthy of more serious attention than they had previously received when the column actually commenced operations its work was considerably facilitated by the death of the famous chief louis Key, from the effects of a wound received during the attack made on the convoy when major bonneau was killed but owing to the rugged nature of the country in which the operations took place it was fully six weeks before the brigands were defeated and scattered a good many of the bandits escaped to quang si and others fled to the mountainous region in the north the telegrams and reports coming in from the column were of great interest to me as my company was taking part in the batu i happened to be on night duty one evening towards the end of september when a wire was received stating that a detachment of my comrades had been caught in an ambuscade among the rocky defiles of the kai kin at a point not far from cho trang my former garrison this dispatch mentioned that captain watran our commander was among the slain both lipte and myself were shocked at this news we experienced however a certain relief on hearing next day that the body of our chief had not fallen into the hands of the enemy though seven of the men were hit while carrying the corpse out of the narrow defile to a place of safety several months later i met a man who had assisted at this engagement and he informed me that the legionaries went raving mad when they learned that this popular officer was killed and after rushing the position to gain which they had to pass one at a time down a sort of narrow funnel fifty feet long swept by the enemy's fire they slew every chinaman found behind the improvised ramparts our losses were very heavy owing to the strength of the position but the men would not be denied and took a terrible revenge for the death of their captain in october the rebel chief began to give trouble again he made overtures for peace and profiting by the confidence thus inspired and the absence of the majority of the troops from the region he left his retreat in the forest and captured and occupied a strongly fortified village called ban kuk about ten miles south of nanam he established his headquarters there and ravaged the surrounding district until a fortnight later he was driven from his fastness by a column under major barr and again escaped to the mountains with the majority of his men notwithstanding the hard work we were having on the brigade time passed agreeably at Baxin, for there was plenty to see in the town when we were off duty that is for anyone interested in studying the native industries and customs 
besides to relieve the monotony of garrison life the general had encouraged the french troops to organize a theatrical troupe which gave some very amusing concerts and dramatic performances in a temporary theatre in the barracks the commandant of the brigade and his staff never failing to attend in october general rest was recalled to france and general duchemin took over the supreme command of the troops in the colony after which the animosity between the civilians and military subsided at this time i was often left in charge of the intelligence department for lieutenant cassier and liptay were away three days in each week making a new survey of the surrounding country during one of these outings they were approached by the headman of a village who begged them to come and slay a man-eating tiger that had established his headquarters in a cluster of trees inside the hamlet itself the beast had been there three days already and each morning had seized upon and devoured one of the unfortunate inhabitants so that the remainder were afraid to leave their houses the natives declared that they had employed every available means of driving the fierce brute away, but the beating of drums and gongs, the throwing of lances and lighted torches into the scrub, had only served to enrage their uninvited guests, and that very morning one of the villagers who had approached too near to the thicket had been slain before the eyes of his comrades. The officer and my friends, taking with them their escort, consisting of ten native soldiers and a corporal, proceeded at once to the scene of the tragedy. The tirailleurs, instructed to shout and keep on firing off their rifles in the air from time to time, were told to advance upon the little clump of trees from three sides at once, while the lieutenant and Lipte waited on the other by these means they succeeded in driving the tiger out into the open and he was dispatched with a couple of well-aimed shots i saw the beast when brought into back Nin. he was a fine specimen of his kind measuring nine feet seven inches from the tip of the tail to the muzzle at this period of my service i was promoted to the post of archiviste and thus was placed in charge of all the records of the brigade i should mention that at this time they were in a serious state of disorder owing to the negligence of the secretary who had preceded me in this work so that i was obliged to set to and sort the whole of them it was somewhat weary work at first wading through this mass of paper the greater part consisting of musty dust-covered dossiers dating back some of them to the conquest of the country by the french but there were documents of immense interest among this medley of yellow evil-smelling and worm-eaten dispatches and the reconstruction with the aid of all the original reports of the famous march of general de Nerger to langson and the frontier of china the subsequent retreat to kep and the inquiry prior to the court-martial held on the unfortunate colonel herbinger who took over the command of the troops after the general was wounded at Kilui, was a source of pure joy to me for several days in december general voyon left tonquin for france and colonel gallini later a general and governor of madagascar came down from langson where he was in command of the first military territory and took over the service par interim 
the governor-general who had already done away with the brigade at sante thinking no doubt that this was a magnificent occasion to weaken still further the hand of the military party in the colony decided to dispense with another brigadier so he issued a decree abolishing the command at bachnien probably the fact that the announcement of this step would be hailed in france as another proof of the supposed pacification of the country was an inducement to the taking of this measure it is doubtful from a military standpoint if the change was a wise one for though it saved the colony about forty eight hundred pounds a year the salary of two generals it was hardly possible for the commander-in-chief in hanoi to deal directly with the commandants of the different regiments military territories and garrisons in the delta who were scattered all over so vast a country indeed the insufficiency of the new system was so evident that the authorities eventually returned to the original arrangement and to-day though the country is almost completely pacified there exist two brigades in tonkin and one in cochin china however though m de lanesson planned this important change in the colony the colonial ministry in paris did not look at affairs in the same light as soon as they learned that general voyon was leaving they sent out general pernot to replace him and the latter arrived in indochina to find that the post he had come out to fill no longer existed m de lanaison would have liked to send the general back to france and indeed he proposed to do so but the authorities in paris probably because they had no post for the officer at home insisted that he should remain thus the brigade was resuscitated for his benefit and its secretaries already on their way to rejoin their respective regiments were recalled to bac ninh i had been in phulang thuong four days and was awaiting a convoy for nha nam when the order arrived for my return and its arrival caused me no little surprise and speculation two days later i was back in my old place my absence having lasted about a week and the following morning general pernot came up from hanoi with his staff he was a short fat red-faced man with a very loud disagreeable voice and a temper that was worse and his reputation with the men of being a crusty martinet was not altogether unjustified the day following his arrival he came to the office and passed a review of the secretaries on learning that i was in charge of the records he came over to where i was standing at attention and asked you are naturalized i suppose no mon general i answered what not naturalized yet you have the intention of becoming so of course no mon general i replied he glared up at me with an angry stare and his face took a dull red colour i thought he was going to burst oh indeed he blurted out at last you must put in an application to become a french citizen or go back to your battalion i will have no foreigners in a post of confidence on my staff grand dieu what have they been doing to allow such a thing it is shameful nom de nom he almost shouted the last words so great was his indignation and from the expression he put into them one might have been justified in imagining that the republic was in danger owing to my presence there i did not become naturalized and i heard nothing more about the question 
and in justice to this cantankerous officer i must acknowledge that during the fifteen months he commanded the brigade he treated me with consideration on the rare occasions that i had any direct business to transact with him he had risen from the ranks indeed i was told that he began his career as a sailor on a man-of-war and it is therefore probable that his modest origin and the hard times he experienced at his debut accounted for his rough and rude manners End of chapter eight part one